Hello, I'm Neil Whelan, and welcome to the Wesleyan Podcast. In this edition, we hear from two Wesleyan Financial Services Specialist Financial Advisors, Martin Bowler and Alison Tarrant, who will be talking about how important planning for retirement is for medics, as it is for everyone, of course. They'll be discussing pension changes that have affected hospital doctors and GPs, the latest developments around the McLeod judgment, and the importance of not just making plans, but also regularly reviewing them. As always, this podcast is for information only and isn't financial advice. But if you do need help, Wesleyan Financial Services and its specialist financial advisors are there for you. So stay tuned until the end, where I'll let you know how to get in touch with us. But for now, I'll hand you over to Alison. And first up, Martin. Hi, Alison. So what changes over the last three years do doctors need to be aware of when they're planning for their retirement? Well, pension legislation is notorious for changing. And for doctors, this has happened both within the NHS pension scheme and taxation rules. So in recent times, the changes to be aware of are, firstly, in 2015, there was a new NHS pension scheme launched. Now, for hospital doctors, the main changes were that the scheme is a career average earning scheme rather than a final salary scheme. Now, for GPs, that their pension has always been calculated on an average earnings basis. However, for both segments, the new scheme is linked to the retirement age as at state retirement, rather than it being fixed at, say, 60 or 65. More recently, there's been the McLeod judgment, and this is the Court of Appeals decision that the government's public sector pension changes in 2014-50 unlawfully discriminates against younger members based on their age. There was certain transitional protection to older members, uh, which again was found to be unfair. Now, the judgment required some form of remedy to treat all members the same. Uh, yeah, so McLeod, that definitely comes up a lot in conversations with, with our clients. Tell us a little bit more about that. OK, so for the affected members, and that's members that were in service between the 31st of March 2012 and on or after April 2015, and also those that were in service in March 2012, but took a qualifying break of less than five years and active members who deferred or took their pension benefits after April 2015. So it affects a large number of our clients. Um, the NHS have decided they're going to place their membership back into their legacy scheme. So that's the 1995 section or the 2008 section. And that will be from the period of the 1st of April 2015 until the 1st of April 22. So that could be up to seven years membership for a lot of our clients. What will happen then is the member will rejoin the 2015 scheme afresh as at the 1st of April 2022. Now, for retired members, they will still get the choice between staying where they are with their legacy scheme, um, 95 and 2008, um, and the reform scheme or the reform scheme in 2015 um, for that remedy period. Um, so obviously, members that have already retired need to make their choice um, as soon as it's available. But active members won't need to make their final decision until they reach retirement age. And they can look at the figures for both options and decide which one's going to be more beneficial for them. Oh, that's great. So that means everyone who's in the legacy scheme will have their benefits move uh, move back to the legacy scheme. So the 95 or 2008. And then when they come to retire, they can choose to go back into the 2015 for that period. Yeah, that's right, Martin. Um, I mean, I've been conducting a full analysis for many of my clients um, for the NHS pension scheme. And we found that while they've had a tax bill uh, for annual input as part of the dual membership, 
once the membership has been placed back into their legacy scheme, in the majority of cases, it's resulted in a reduction or a refund of um, either scheme pays, elections or tax that they've paid. Um, also, some of those members have got carry forward available um, for the next three tax years. So it's all really positive news. No, that's great. Um, and that's really interesting. And a client I saw last week had just received another letter about some other proposed changes to the scheme. So uh, what, what can you tell us about those? As I say, it is an ever evolving um, landscape. Um, more recently, there have been some proposed changes, and um, I think a couple of days ago they were rubber stamped, so hopefully they are going to be coming into place. But what they're looking at is added flexibility to people's retirement options. Many of our clients will have received a letter outlining them already, um, and some of them will receive them over the coming weeks and months. I think everybody should have had their letter by June of this year. Um, there are two dates that they're going to come effective from. So the first changes are looking to take effect on the 1st of April 2023, and then the second change on the 1st of October 23. So let's just have a quick look at them. The three key proposed changes are pensionable reemployment, partial retirement, and the removal of the 16 hour rule. So the 16 hour rule uh, was put in place when somebody came to retire. Um, you had to do a 24 hour retirement and then the first month that you returned to work, you could only work for 16 hours um, and then you could then go back to your, your the job plan that you had agreed with your department. Um, it was um, cancelled out during COVID and they are looking to, to remove that completely. So let's look at um, pensionable reemployment. So firstly, they're looking to give members, all members of the NHS pension scheme, the option to retire and take full pension benefits. You can then return to work and have the option of joining the 2015 pension scheme to earn further pension benefits. There are options already within the 2008 pension scheme to do this, but it's not an option at all on the 1995 section. Secondly, from October 23, the consultation process uh, proposes changes to make it simpler to take a partial retirement, meaning that from the age of 55 or 50, if the member qualifies, you can claim your pension and continue working in a more flexible way without having to leave your job. So keeping your substantive contract. And this is a huge step forward for many of my clients. Um, you know, some of them are reluctant to retire and return due to the uncertainty of the contract or the job role that they may return to. So the proposals are that you can draw between 20% and 100% of your pension and then continue working as long as you reduce your working pattern by at least 10%. Now, most people phasing into retirement would want to reduce their, uh, their workload anyway. But the key thing is that you would continue working on your current contract. Um, and you could also continue building pensions in the 2015 pension scheme if it's right for you. Now, lastly, they're looking at the effects inflation is having on the annual allowance calculations. Inflation linking was supposed to help your pension keep up with, say, the cost of living. However, as things stand, it's actually causing annual allowance breaches itself. So the measure that they use for pension growth is the Consumer Price Index, CPI. And for the current tax year, the CPI used for the opening value on the calculations is the September before the start of the year. So for the tax year we're in, 22-23, the figure is 3.1%. 
However, the CPI used to revalue the pension for the closing value is the September before the year end. So for the tax year again that we're in, that is 10.1%. So you can see the huge disparity between the opening value and the closing value purely um, by inflation. So by changing the revaluation date from the 1st of April to the 6th of April, it will align the CPI used for both pension calculations. So we're going to be comparing 3.1 with 3.1 rather than 3.1 to 10.1. And this means that pension growth calculations will only then consider the actual growth in the pension benefits above inflation, um, causing a lot of the annual allowance calculations that are being looked at for the tax year we're in to actually either be reduced um, or mitigated completely. Yeah, and that's that's right. There's there's many examples where the change have had a significant impact on, on what's available to our clients in retirement. Um, the changes could be made to the scheme through legislation, broader economic environment, as well as in your own circumstances. So uh, making the plan and continue to review it, um, take account for these changes, that's probably even more important than ever. And I know myself speaking to some of the GPs in the 1995 section I look after, they're really excited about proposals to take the partial retirement for 1st of October 2023 without having to leave their job by the certain conditions are met. And it's really welcome knowing that the uh, the alignment of the CPI figures will just have growth in the, the pension included. So moving on then, Alison, what are the key considerations when planning for retirement? I think the key here is that you're never too young to start um, start getting into good habits and planning for your retirement. Um, the longer you've got, the more effective you can be um, and your financial advisor can help you with the bumps along the way. Here at Wesleyan, we strive to be your lifelong partner in your financial planning journey, taking up your first post as an F1 all the way through to retirement and beyond and hoping that we can guide you through the constant changes in the financial landscape. Yeah, and that's a great point, Ali. And, and what are the key questions we should be asking ourselves when we're thinking about retirement? I think the questions you need to be asking yourself is when would you like to retire? Um, what does retirement look like for you? Because um, it's different for everybody. I mean, for example, would you work full time and then just stop? Or as a lot of my clients do, phase your retirement in by reducing your sessions or taking advantage of partial retirement or, or what is at the moment retire and return. Um, a lot of people do make the mistake, though, of focusing on an age or a date in the future. And this isn't right for everybody. I mean, if you can start looking at how much income you may require in retirement, this can then drive your decisions rather than having to, to fixate on a date. You might be quite surprised that you can stop working or at least reduce your sessions earlier than you realise. Some of the most rewarding moments of an advisor's career is being able to support somebody through their retirement journey and help them make their plans a reality. That's right. And in my experience, though, planning properly, your retirement plans can determine what you have available rather than that pot determining your own plans. Plans you have should be specific to your own circumstances. And some of the most rewarding moments of an advisor's career is being able to support someone through the retirement journey and help make those plans a reality. OK, Ali, so what advice would you give to somebody approaching their retirement? Yeah, I think it's really important to get financial advice as soon as possible. Um, here at Wesleyan, we've launched a retirement club for our members and it's designed for our clients at all stages. So whether you're pre-retirement, at retirement or even post-retirement, there's something for all. 
There's no cost to join the club and once you've joined, you're given access to a hub with information designed to help with your retirement journey. There's lots of useful tools like um, a link to gain your state pension forecast, NHS pension guides, investing for retirement options, along with calculators like Cashflow Forecast that you can just use in your own time to start planning yourself. They sound like really great tools, Ali. And what other actions or steps should we take and at what stage it's important to get that financial advice? Yeah, as I say, I, I think the cash flow analysis is important to try and establish, you know, specifically how your income and expenditure will change into retirement. And it's unlikely to be a straight line. I often find that my clients maybe spend more in the first five to 10 years because they've got plans, you know, to maybe to travel or um, do a little bit of work around the home, um, settle into hobbies, et cetera. And then things plateau out um, and, you know, you settle into to your new way of life. But also consideration needs to be given to any additional costs that you might need in later life, like help around the home or nursing costs. I think when you're thinking about your own cash flow forecast, we need to bear in mind the certain outgoings that are going to stop, such as hopefully your mortgage, your professional expenses. Um, you know, maybe the children have finished university or, or, or full time education. However, you do need to factor in additional costs like new hobbies, new pastimes. Obviously, the fact that maybe you're going to be at home a bit more and you're going to have, um, you know, the heating on, etc. I think, you know, the cost of living is, has brought that to the forefront. But consider, you know, have you got plans to travel in the first few years? Um, are you going to buy a motorhome and, and, and travel Europe or is it long haul flights that you're looking at? Because the tax free cash element that comes from your pension could help with that. But consideration needs to be given to other capital expenses, such as replacing your car. Is that going to be a one off or are you going to do that every five years, for example, or renovations to your property? Once you've got a picture of your financial needs, it's much easier to start making some decisions and, you know, looking at, for example, the level of tax free cash you might take from your pension and the level of income that's required. OK, Ali, and finally, what does the 2023 spring budget announcement mean for medical professionals? Well, the removal of lifetime allowance, which is a great surprise to us all, um, is really, really good news for many. Uh, the annual allowance increase from 40,000 to 60,000 will take many, not all, but many of our clients within the NHS out of scope um, for annual allowance tax bills, which again is really, really positive news. Oh, that's great, Ali, and th thanks for that insight there. Um, and then the steps I take with my clients to effectively map out what they like retirement to look like and then build a plan with them to, to help make that happen. And I also agree, it's, it's never too early to seek advice and to build a plan with your advisor, whether it's in the later stages of your career or as a newly qualified. And really, the sooner you can work with somebody to really understand the NHS pension, how it can work for you and where it fits in with your broader financial plan, the better um, it can be. And I'd encourage those approaching their retirement and early in their careers to take the time to speak with a specialist financial advisor who understands their profession. And that's our show for this week. Thank you to Martin and Alison. As I said earlier, retirement planning should be an ongoing thing. So if you do want to discuss your options with an expert, go to wesleyan.co.uk where you can book a no-obligation appointment with one of our specialist financial advisors. To learn more about Wesley more generally, you can find us on Twitter at Wesleyan, as well as by searching for us across Facebook, Instagram, and of course, LinkedIn. And to listen to past and future episodes of the podcast, 
you can like and subscribe on all the usual platforms. That's it for now. So until next time, thanks for listening.